in January of 1947. <laughs> Start over. <laughs> January 1947, a boy named David was born. That boy would go on to become one of the most influential artists of the 20th century. This week, we'll be discussing Moon Age Daydream, an art house documentary exploring the life and works of David Bowie. True to the legacy of Bowie, this film feels experimental at times, pushing the envelope of what it means to create a biography for an artist of Bowie's caliber. Critics have been raving about the film, whereas some fans of Bowie feel as if the film misses the mark or lacks direction. But we're here to sort through the pieces and figure out once and for all. Is Moon Age Daydream good? Let's find out. Wait, I hold on. But is Moon Age Daydream good? We're going to find out. All right, sick. But is it good podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi. Welcome to episode 99. You sound so excited. But is it good podcast? My name is <laughs> Exhausted. <laughs> That's my name. <laughs> you're I'm your host, Hunter Callahan. You're Shathid. What? What? Shathid. Sh- Shathid? Yeah, spell it. <laughs> you just call me a shithead? <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Hunter Shathid. <laughs> that's, that's not me. I'm your host, Hunter Callahan. <laughs> and I'm your host, Zach Olson. And... We're in a weird mood today. We're in a weird mood. Um, we'll, we'll get there, uh, but real quick, um, welcome to the show. Like, subscribe, share, so help me God. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but do that. That'd be sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that'd, that'd, be, that'd, be, that'd be sick, bro. That'd be tight. That'd be tight, bro. Um, Zach, how are you? I've seen a lot of you the past 24 hours. You know the saying, the bee's knees? The bee's knees? Can we come up with an, another one right now? The. I don't. Are you like for something good? Like you're good. Yeah, like that's the bee's knees. They don't have to rhyme though. It's got to rhyme because then you got the cat's pajamas. No, bee's knees. The bee's knees. I'm the fly's eyes. Okay, <laughs> that's the fly's eyes. So let me ask. The back up. The whip. Zach, so like, how, you know, whip you like a vehicle. The whips nips. The whips nips like your your vehicle has nipples. Yeah, I'm sure there's some sort of like <laughs> nozzle. Is that, is, that, is that like like the like oil pan? Yeah, comes out. Yeah, yeah. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm very t- very tired. We are both very tired. So story time briefly. Um, also, just a fair warning, guys. We're discussing a film that we both uh, were excited to discuss. I'm really excited to hear Zach's. Take on it, but I must warn you that there is absolutely no telling where this episode will go because it's one of those days. So, just it's also one of those movies it, that's true, it's very fitting actually. So, buckle up. But, story time, real quick. Um, uh, Hannah, my wife, turned 30 this past Wednesday, and we've had quite a week. <coughs> um, Thursday, me and Hannah had to go up to Athens, Athens, Georgia for a rehearsal because we were in a wedding that was on a Friday mm-hmm. uh, up in Athens we had to sing and then Friday my brother Trey flew in for the wedding as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so we got a little litty titty on Friday night yep um, so that we, we you know had had some drinks had some fun well then Saturday we came back to Atlanta to celebrate Hannah's 30th birthday had a huge group of people show up for dinner uh, and then a few of us um, proceeded to um, just get feeling good. We felt very good. It makes it sound like we were doing drugs. We we kept drinking. We, yeah, we, we didn't do drugs. We we, we drank alcohol. Yeah. Um, and um, went to bed at 2 o'clock. Is that when we went to bed? I think it was like 2.30 actually. <gasps> you know what my normal bedtime is? Like 9 p.m.? Yeah. We're already past it. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, we, uh, are, uh, we're very, very tired. And our capacity to stay on topic is 
rapidly Let's waning. just say this. The intro that you just heard was like take 47. Let me see a question. Uh-huh. Totally related. Yeah. Can you talk into the fucking mic, please? <laughs> Rate, like rank chocolate bars. Before I can do that, mm-hmm. do you consider the like a, a Reese's to be a chocolate bar? It's not a bar. Well, then my number one is no longer in the running. Okay, so let's take it out <clears throat> because Reese's are in its own category, anyways. Like it's, it's on its own pedestal as the best candy. Yeah, right. No, for me, I don't actually like mini chocolate bars. I like Snickers, Twix, and sometimes a Hershey bar. Sometimes a Hershey That's Hershey really bar. it. And I think a Snickers is a more classic, more well-rounded candy bar. How about you? Snickers is, is top tier. Gotta then I got veins. Kit Kat. Gotta have the veins on a snicker. <laughs> the veinier, the better. <laughs> oh, Kit Kats are good. Then we okay. got Kit Kat. Yeah, all right. Then we got Twix. I like Twix. And then it's like bottom of the barrel stuff, like um, everything else. Like Three Musketeers and Milky Way. Yeah. The only thing worse than a Milky Way is the dark chocolate Milky Ways, and there's some in there. Hey, that's gross. We're eating a bag of candy. Anyway, uh, we're doing a, a different type of film. Mm-hmm. Um, this week is our first kind of documentary, uh-huh. so I'm really excited to see how you approach movie in a minute. Uh-huh. But we're doing Moon Age Daydream. You're <laughs> 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 so professional. <laughs> All right. I'm doing Moon Age I'm Daydream. <laughs> <laughs> you want a shot? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Are you kidding. kidding me? Yeah, I'm kidding. I, took I am a, kidding you, yes. I took a nap today, mm-hmm. and I woke up, and like, it's like I was breathing with my mouth open, so there was like a cloud <laughs> around my face, and it just smelled like tequila. <laughs> I just woke up in a cloud of tequila. Yeah, I do not, good time, though. do not want to drink. I will say that I had a great weekend. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. I had a really, really good weekend. Trey was home. Hannah had some friends come in from out of town. We had a good time. Shout out to the Media Mamas. Media Mamas, yeah. Um, Hannah's got some friends uh, she met via Instagram. Flew in to surprise her, and it was really, really cool. We had a good time. Um, Okay, cool. I guess, shall we... um, Spoiler-free review? Spoiler-free reaction. You can go first, because this is... Well, actually, you're chewing Snickers, so I guess I'll go first. Is that what you want, or do you, you want to try and talk? I can talk fluently with the <laughs> Snickers in my mouth. Do you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, so what was your first reaction? <laughs> no, you can't. I was swallowing, okay? When you get a big old veiny Snickers in your mouth, <laughs> sometimes you got to swallow before you speak, okay? <laughs> oh, hold on tight. Are you able people? This is going to be, got a good one. Got a good one in today. Got a good one in today. All right, go on. In my mouth. <laughs> Snickers, that Snickers, is. Yeah. 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 All right. Your first reaction? I loved it. Like, it was super cool. Because um, you are a very big Bowie fan. Uh, I hesitate to say big Bowie fan because okay. someone's going to be like, I'm a bigger Bowie fan than you. Okay. Are you a Bowie fan? I'm a though? Bowie fan. Okay. Yeah, I'm a Bowie fan. <laughs> Sorry, you got to keep me on track. I'm, <laughs> I'm a fucking zombie. All right, your first reaction. Keep going. I loved it. It was, yeah. it was great. Um, it, it, it's kind of all over the place. But David Bowie was all over the place. I mean, think about all the different uh, characters he created and personalities and all the different endeavors that he took on. I mean, you don't know much about Bowie. I actually didn't know. But he, he was like. I knew some. I knew some. An right. artist in the fullest sense of the word. Oh, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't just do music. He he sculpted. He he wrote. He acted. He did. I mean, he did everything. Everything under the sun. He painted. Um, and can I just say that, like, after watching like Elvis, 
this is the kind of like film I want about like a, a an artist. Yeah. Versus like the the biopic, the, like fictionalized. Biopics version. are always a little um, like bittersweet to me because it never like fully it, 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 you can't like ca- like capture that essence. Yeah. Without that person in the movie. Yeah. Right? I mean, but it's it's a it, biopics are nothing more than a tribute, mm-hmm. and this while this is a tribute, it's like a study. Yeah, you know. Um, early on in the film, this is uh, this is fairly. Sp- I don't think we can spoil someone's I was life. Say, but go ahead and say this, and then we can okay we'll yeah. switch off, and then we can go a little further in depth. Early on in the film, uh, David's talking about how sometimes when we when we isolate ourselves we create these little mini universes micro worlds yeah these little micro worlds in our in our mind and he his approach to music and what he's so interested in is trying to f- like find the mystery in that and mm-hmm. like sort of like paint that and i think this film did a wonderful job of painting that yeah. through his his like quotes from interviews yeah. uh they with the, the montages of, yeah. of, of, you know, his live performances and his roles in movies mm-hmm. or just, like, appearances, you know, m- modeling or just taking pictures yeah. or whatever, he, you know. I, I yeah. think the film did a really good job of that. Yeah. So, um, I really, really uh, enjoyed it. That was awesome. That was very fascinating. I also had a shit time watching it. Um, not because of the movie, but because I was trying to watch it at home and just... Like, Loud and it, I I would have loved to have seen this like in a theater. Mm-hmm. I think this it was been, an IMAX. I know it was it was also playing at the Plaza and right. You know, um, I think it would have been really really cool to see in theaters. Um, so that I think um, dampened the impact it had on me because I, sometimes I was basically like just like reading subtitles, trying mm-hmm. to just get a grasp of what was being said, and I sometimes I would go back and like re-listen to something to try and get mm-hmm. the whole thing. But even still, it was it was profound to me as as a songwriter, as an artist, as as who what I hope is an artist. Frankly, um, it was very inspiring, and I feel very m- motivated and in awe of like how much he gave the of himself, like, the depth the of yeah. his artistry. Yeah, um, and the cycles that he got that he went through as an artist. Mm-hmm. And that things that I felt as an artist and been like, oh, well, then I'm just like, I'm approaching this wrong or whatever. And then like to hear someone like him be like, oh, well, X, Y, and Z. And you're like, oh, shit, maybe I just, I just like let that fester and I could have just used it for something. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we go in, you know, too in depth, um, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was, it's an editing masterpiece. For some people, for me, yeah. For some people, I can get a bit like this is just chaos, which is prevalent in the movie. Like right. in his life, he talks about chaos. Um, but I think the editing was superb and mm-hmm. really fascinating. Really, it's it really is thought provoking. And I, I'm sure when we get to every movie sucks, like it, it'll become prevalent. I I recognize how this could be not for everybody, but I sure. thought it was great. Not only the editing, but some people felt that, because yeah, I've read some reviews, some people felt that it didn't like fully cat. Like they were like, I thought this was supposed to be a biography, not a two-hour-long music video. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, and I didn't. I don't think, think it, people knew I what they were getting into. Maybe I didn't think it was going to be a biography. Um, I figured that we would get some of that, and we did. Mm-hmm. But I kind of the the film. To um, me, the trailer matches. Yeah, the totally. Film, so. Um, the trailer didn't give me biography vibes. No. Uh, but this is a minor spoiler, but the film opens up with a quote that he says, like like text on screen. At the turn of the 20th century, Friedrich Nietzsche proclaimed that God is dead and that man had killed him. This created an arrogance with man that he himself was God. But as God, all he could seem to produce was disaster. That led to a terrifying confusion. For if we could not take the place of God, how could we fill the space we had created within ourselves? David Bowie. And then that is followed by this like monologue that he gives about time and mm-hmm. like relationship with time and the search for that. And it slowly brings in the title card. And I, from that, I was like, I'm in. This is awesome. Yeah. I was like, this sure. is awesome. I, I, but I love like the profound lofty thoughts, the, the philosophical things. I love that kind of stuff. Anyway, 
before we get into that, um, I want to see what you're going to do with movie in a minute. Okay. So chew your Snickers. I'm going to set up this camera, this camera, and we're going to see what you do because this is not our typical movie in a minute. No. One second. dying are we still recording hi hey guys hey guys and girls and everyone else um it's good to talk to you on this fine monday morning why why does it look like i've been in a tanning booth with sunglasses on all right all right you ready Mm mm-hmm <coughs> uh, let me pull up a, a timer. Online stopwatch. Is the camera rolling? It is. All right, are you ready? I am. This is Moon Age Daydream, movie in a minute. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so we open up with a quote from David Bowie himself talking about Frederick Nietzsche and God is dead and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he goes into this uh, short monologue about time and whether it's even worth it, what, should, we, should we bother, you know, moving on. Uh, and then we get this, it's, a, it's like a 12-chapter art house, just super long montage of David Bowie's life and different s- phases of his life and, you know, um, his art, and just it's interspersed with quotes from him and all this stuff. It's, it's really cool. Um, and then at the end of the movie, it brings back that quote from the beginning talking about time and should we bother? And he answers the question himself and says, yes, yes, we should. Life is great. We should, you know, life doesn't end. It just changes and we should move forward and uh, you better, you better keep walking essentially. Um, And that's Moon Age Daydream in one minute. Perfect. That was arguable. There's such confidence in your delivery there. Was there? Yeah. I loved it. Um, how'd I how'd I do for a um, a non like it's not like a linear film. It was I think the great. Know. I think you gave a very accurate portrayal of what the film is. Yeah, you didn't be like, oh, it's about his life. It's like no, it's sort of like this. It's not about his life though, because I it's mean, about his mind. I think it's more about like it's right. like a study of his of his person. That's right. It's not about it's not a sequence of events or his evolution because because he changes a lot like. There, there are certain times where he contradicts something that he said earlier on, but he's at a different point in his life, right? Yeah. That's something that I thought was really interesting, is that, bear with me on this, have you, you've seen Arrival, right? Yeah. And how time to them is, like, circular. Mm-hmm. It's not like a line. Sure. It's like you can go to, it's sort of like, let's be more, more with the zeitgeist, like Loki, <clears throat> you have you watched Loki? You haven't, have you? I didn't think we were going to talk about Marvel tonight. No, no, but I'm saying like the timeline is shown in the, in a circle. Yeah. And how you can sort of move about that circle. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and time is not like linear. And <clears throat> in this, in the first few minutes, you know, we see him as Ziggy, you know, as that character mm-hmm. in the glam phase and the lightning bolt. Um interspersed with dialogue of him when he's older and even images of him older. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <clears throat> it does, in my opinion, in an interesting way, make this like a circular thing where it's like he is all of these things all at once. Well, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, he's a very introspective person. Oh, like yeah. He, he's always... I mean, his monologue at the beginning where he's talking about time and he's talking about the relationship that so we have good. with time so and how good. it's integrally connected to the past and the future mm-hmm. and it doesn't pay much mind to the present, which is very interesting to hear him say that when he also like uh, went through like a Buddhist phase, mm-hmm. which is all about the present, like the, the present moment. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know. He also, this is, now I'm just like, spouting off trivia but he was in uh a christopher nolan film and you know christopher nolan's thing he was is uh, time. tesla wasn't he yeah he in, was, in he prestige was Nikola tesla um 
correct me if I'm wrong, because like I said, I, I just watched it, and, and actually, I was still watching it when Zach got here. I was finishing it up. Um, but, and you mentioned this briefly, but he poses this question in the opening dialogue of like, should we even bother? What's the point? Like, does mm-hmm. this matter? Do I matter? And then at the end, he he says yes. He goes on to answer that, but I think in the end he also talks about because you know you mentioned like the present, the past, and the future, mm-hmm. and I think he mentions oh, I just had it, but I forgot it. Crap, something like about like uh, oh, this might be a different dialogue. I mean, different monologue. Anyway, at some point towards the end of the film, mm-hmm. he talks about the future and um, uh this idea of like, it doesn't really do you any good to daydream about the future. Sure. And think about this time when everything will somehow be better. Right. Because then it'll never happen. Right. And so there's this realization that is, and this sounds cliche because it's sort of like this tried and true storyline. Mm-hmm. But it's also just kind of like what life is. Like, I feel like I'm experiencing it now because we're almost 30. Like, that's it's already happening to me. Are you thinking of, about this f- future? Of of being like, what actually matters right now? Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and like being like, right now is kind of all you have. Sure. You know. A little earlier in the film, mm-hmm. uh, so maybe around the midway point, he's talking about the past in, in a similar way where he's saying it's it's not worth it to brood on the past. Yeah. Right? It's, you know, we can use it, we can take it and, and, yeah. and em, em, employ it for our present, but we shouldn't just you know, brood on the past, essentially. Yeah, and he's, what's funny is that he, his life is so fascinating because, like, he's never, he, I don't think he ever bought a house or something like that. No. Maybe, maybe he he did after he got married and, like, actually kind of. I don't think he did. Maybe, maybe not, but he had said, like, he, um, would be like, okay, I've done this, I'm ready to move on and constantly change his environment and, um, he was talking about how he he moved to L.A. and he's like, I hated L.A. Mm-hmm. and I, that's that, but that's why I went there because I wanted to see how that affected what I had to write about. Yeah, um, and then he went to live in like East Berlin, which is crazy because that's back when that's the east east and west Germany. Um, Not only that, but he was at a, a point in his life where he felt like he was being. I mean, he lived in the U.S. for years. Mm-hmm. He was being so like inundated with all this stuff that didn't matter to him. And yeah. so when he moved to, to East Berlin, he like minimalized his life. Right. He, he like, like cut out it all. everything except for like what was absolutely necessary and, and attempted to like rebuild himself. Right. So let me ask you this, cause you might just know better than I do because this, once again, this movie is not a biography. It doesn't say in 1978, he mm-hmm. reemerged with a new look. It does. It just right. sort of shows you, it, it is linear in a way as it progresses through his life, but mm-hmm. it's not a clear cut like here's the year and here's his right. age and here's what he's doing. It just sort of is talking about his state of mind. Um, so did he, I, I had a, I couldn't quite grasp the scope of how big he was. Oh, he's huge. No, no, but like well, in the seventies because in the eighties, you know, he did the Pepsi stuff with Tina Turner and he was, accused of selling out, which I want to talk about that because that's a really interesting sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was playing to massive, massive, massive crowds. Sure. And there was this storyline of a reemergence of him and like this comeback and like it showed articles and it was like the fall and rise of David Bowie. So, he's yeah. Back. So as Ziggy, you know, he's, they show concert footage of people crying and it's like the Beatles mm-hmm. like screaming and all this kind of stuff. But how big are those crowds? Is he just this guy who like is on the charts and he's got this following because he's so outlandish, or is he like already an icon? I mean, he he was an icon f- pretty early on. Yeah. Um, I don't know how big he was. I can tell you what I do know. Mm-hmm. I know that um, he only hit number one on the charts three times, and it was all in the eighties. Okay. So like Ziggy Stardust and uh Major Tom. Yeah. You know, Space Oddity. Cuz that was a really that was like his experimental stuff. Like it's really well, maybe not. He's, he's, he was always experimental. I don't actually dude. know a lot of his catalog but as much as I should, frankly. Can I give you my um yeah, yeah. what I what I think was the the rise and fall of David Bowie mm-hmm. and I'm putting that in air quotes. Yeah. So he was big in the UK. 
when he when he came to the United States and lived in LA for a couple years, he 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 was always trying to push himself to explore new things mm-hmm. and and it just you know keep pushing the envelope kind of thing. So when he came to the U.S., he adopted more of like a soul sound. I don't know, like there were some songs that were played yeah. uh, earlier on in the in the film that ha- had almost like a like a soul mm-hmm. like jazz feel, right? Yeah. When he did that, the UK hated it. Really? <laughs> they did. They were not a fan. It got him a big following in the U.S., um, which probably helped broaden his appeal, you know, yeah, in the long run. But I think when he returned to Europe, um, that was when you know this reemergence happened. Okay, because there was, I was trying to like sort of sort of piece it all together because there was him as. The Ziggy character, right? Mm-hmm. Starman, whatever. Ziggy you know? Stardust. Um, and even in his interviews, he's... An androgynous alien that he, comes down and, like, the world's not ready for it kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and he was very much that. Like, there's some guy yeah. who's, who's, like, introducing him, and he was like, we don't know if he's a man, woman, mm-hmm. robot, what he is, why he's here. Um, and even in his interviews, he's super quirky. I loved his sass in the interviews. Oh, yeah, like, but he's like... <laughs> It really is like a game. It's yeah. like it's it's like he's playing everybody, mm-hmm. um, and then it cuts to this one interview. It's the one where they're like coming in from satellite, whatever, whatever, and, yeah. and they're like, "Your sound's echoing off the satellite." And he's like, "I can see it." He's yeah, like, yeah, he's like, well, he says something where it's like, "Bedroom in the sky," you know. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting, and they make some comments where that that seems like that's his first appearance in like a couple of years. Or something. Maybe I'm wrong. It could be. And the the fact that this isn't linear and it doesn't have dates, it makes it difficult to pin down. He, and a lot of this is like previously unseen footage too. Oh yeah, they have so. a ton of footage. And he also like frankly he ages well, so it's hard sometimes <laughs> to like. Yeah. Obviously, as Ziggy, he's very young, but mm-hmm. like he reemerges with this combed back hair, and as soon as he has his combed back hair, he looks the same for the rest of like most of his life. He looks, I mean, he looks great. So. It was interesting to me that, like, he, like, where did he go? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. he sort of vanished for a little bit and then came back as this, like, new, um, this new version of himself. But I really just thought his his dialogue and his musings were just so fascinating. Yeah. They were super fascinating. Um. I'm trying to think of like of certain lines. I mean, there's tons of dialogue, so it's hard to point out some stuff. But like one of the things that I was taking pictures of the screen whenever like a quote, I was like, "Yeah, that's really? true." Uh, um, one of the things that that they did that 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 stuck out in my in my head is that he said that he would like he loved the idea of, and this sort of goes like into his own life when he like when he moved to L.A. of taking things that shouldn't be together and like putting them together. And so he was saying that, like, he would write about one thing and then another thing and then mm-hmm. another thing. And then he cut, literally, he would physically cut, cut yes. the, like, lines right. out and, like, rearrange them. And that's kind of where some songs came from. That is incredible. Dude, artists, I artists. I don't artists, have the, like, I don't have the guts to do that. I, I never would have thought to, because I'd be like, it's going to be gibberish. Methodology, you know? like, it's, it's insane. It's what, crazy. What people will do. And, like, Insane in, in a good way. Like yeah. it's it's super innovative and it can create some really cool stuff. And literally, you know, you just pull a couple prompts out of a hat and make it work. And yeah. some well, of those funny, songs, you know, because like I've written songs that I th- that I've felt have been like, oh, this like I I caught a wave and I like that song just came out and it feels profound. But like this is like it's so interesting because that to me is like, oh, he was determined to make something new and be like, I obviously you're influenced by things and mm-hmm. you like, it's only 12 notes of music, but he was like, to hell with, like that's such a, that's so brave, like mm-hmm. as an artist to be like, this could be absolute nonsense. What about sharps and flats? There's still only 12 notes. So, a, so there's A, B, C, D, mm-hmm, E, mm-hmm. F, G. Yeah. That's only seven. Right. So A, A sharp. Okay. B, B flat. No. Wouldn't, wouldn't B flat come oh, before. That, sorry. There's A, A sharp, B, C, C sharp, D, 
D sharp, E, F, F sharp, G, G sharp. I bet you if we like just change it a little bit, a little bit, we could make more notes. Well, that that's if you tune to 440, you can tune like 437. <gasps> it's a little different. But even <gasps> in 437s, there's only 12 notes. You see what I'm saying? Don't you, you shut up? Within each just shut up. Within each system, there's only, there's only 12, 12 notes. notes. Yes. Um, what if we push that envelope? Make the 13th note. You want an H? No. E of G H. You want to skip to what? Like K. P. O. Play an O for me. Mm. Play an O sharp. Mm. <laughs> um, no, but I just think that's really cool. Like that's such a. There are so many times when I've tried to create something and I've been like, it doesn't feel good, mm -hmm. so it must not be good. And if I was going to take, like, to have the, the self-trust and determination to be like, I'm going to do this, rearrange this gibberish, mm -hmm. and make this something is fascinating to me. Yeah, but also think about... Um David Bowie was first and foremost a writer. Yeah. Like he, he wrote like every day. Mm -hmm. And so imagine how many like things he wrote that felt bad when he was writing them. Oh yeah. And he either reused them or just like set them to the side and said, that's okay. Let's do another one, you know? And so it's about process and method. Yeah. You I know? don't know who it was I was talking to, but it was like, I think it was about, it might've been actually like someone like Ethan or Brooks. It might have been you, actually. I don't know. Talking to them about, I think it was the Black Keys mm -hmm. and how they've released, they had released, you know, they've had some comment where they're like, oh, we write like, you know, like an, in, in, in their peak of writing, they're like, we write like an album week. Right. And I was like, that's amazing. And someone said, do you know how many of those songs absolutely suck? Yeah. To like make one good album. Right. Um, and it's crazy, too, because like just listening to his... Art is so fascinating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Listening to his songs, because I, I don't know a ton of his music, and I really should. I really need to like, because mm -hmm. I'm I'm. I was trying to get you to listen to David Bowie all week, all week. And I didn't. Um, but I, even in this movie, I heard melodies that I would have never trusted. Re yeah, like isn't if, that cool? If, if I was writing the song and I was like, I did that melody, I'd be like, nah, right? That's not it. Right. But he he was like, no, this is something. Yeah. Um, and that's just, that's awesome to me. I love that kind of stuff. But not only in the art that he created, but the way he he um, presented himself. Like, he was getting all these questions from the media, like, why do you dress like that? Why do you wear makeup? Blah, 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 blah. He He's was like, this is, this is what I, time, yeah. what I want to do. Like, yeah. this is what excites me. Why would I do something that's not exciting to me? Yeah. yeah. I loved when, when the guy was like, are those guys' shoes or girls' shoes? And he was like, they're shoe they're, shoes. They're, they're just shoes, shoes, shoes. Yeah. That's like, I'm wearing a pink sweater. Pink is not a feminine color. It's just a color. Yeah. But we've we've labeled it as as a certain thing, when in reality it's just a reflection of a certain color of light. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I I didn't see... I would say for me, it wasn't until I was like 27, 26, 27, that I began to see fashion as an expression of myself. He yeah. talks about like things like even getting a haircut. Mm -hmm. He was like, "Yes, it's for a function, but it's also because it's a way to present your a, a way to express something of you, yeah, a way to say something." And I think when you look at things like that, like things in your life like that, mm -hmm. it's really it becomes more I, fun. Seems like a cheap word to say, but it's sure. more exciting. It's more intentional. I really love this is. There's a lot of things I love about David yeah. Bowie, but the fact that he hated the normal, like he wanted to be on the like the on the, the fringe, the fringe, yeah. yeah. So like, you and I have the same haircut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, pretty much. We, we, I think we're both fashionable, but mm -hmm. we both dress within like the norm for today's day and age. Yeah. You know. Well, yes, yes, because I, I would say like looking at the. Moon Age Daydream poster, mm -hmm. you know, he's wearing that famous, like, black with, with the white pinstripe yeah. outfit. Right, right. Um, 
and yeah, like this is not. But even like what he'd wear out, like the, right. his, in, in 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 his Ziggy days, mm-hmm. his out his his outfits were. And then later crazy. on, when he like um, reemerged after like his his hiatus, uh, he was very like clean cut, always wearing like a suit, you know, a ta- a nice tailored suit. But even still, like that, it definitely had his flair. Yeah, I mean, it was more. For sure. It was more, you know, reined in, but. But to his own point, that was a more honest visual out, like of, of him at the time. Because mm-hmm. he talks about how when he kind of came back, he began to be like, okay, well, I can kind of show myself now. Yeah. Um, and that... Yeah, because earlier in his glam years, mm-hmm. he was in an interview and someone asked like about his personality and he said, oh, I don't think I have one. Do you remember that? That was like early on in the, in the film. Yeah, well, where he's he, talking he about, he's like, I don't really like, to, I don't know if I have one. No, he said, well, yes, but he said he's a collector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just like collects personalities mm-hmm. and tries um, them on and sees, and, yeah, you know. Um, it's such it's a cool idea. Really interesting because like it's such a good metaphor for youth. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing is that like, if you really listen to what he's saying when he is like Ziggy and stuff, it's actually really sad. Okay. I mean, it's 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 free and is and mm-hmm. it's open and it's honest but it also is kind of sad where he's like you know i don't i don't have any time for anything like relationships and i'm not saying that you have to but like he's like i'm just this version of me right now you know like i'm just sort of this well, like passing in the wind but he's thing. talking about things um so like he he's talking about how you can love someone from afar, right? Mm-hmm. And you just can't love someone. And he was married in the 70s. I was just saying he was married for 10 years. Yeah. He was married from 1970. He was probably married when he did that interview. 1980. Honestly. I don't think my wife would appreciate that if I said that. Well, but he, he, he wasn't saying that... He wasn't saying that he can't love somebody. He was actually saying that like you can love someone from afar, but he needs to de- he devote himself to his work. That's like the, the most important thing, right? Yeah. So like I don't know. <laughs> well, it's funny cuz like I you know, see like I'm looking at this right now and like I'd see Space Oddity was 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 released in 69. Mhm. Um and the picture on the cover is not like a Ziggy Stardust type, but he reemerged in '72 as Ziggy Stardust. Um, and then I'm trying. I don't know to if he reemerged because he also put out two albums: uh, "The Man Who Sold the World," which has a song that Nirvana has done a cover of. It's very popular, and then "Hunky Dory" that has songs like "Changes." Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know about a reemergence. Yeah, but in '72, Ziggy. Um. Was was born. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to read on this now because I'm interested. Um, <laughs> it's just like I don't know. I really just thought he was fascinating. You said that 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 you had pictures of the screen about quotes. Yeah, for some reason they're all black. Oh, great! It's like my phone was like, no, that's awesome. <laughs> no, great. Um, I want to talk briefly about the '80s. So the 80s were, are fascinating to me because like they're mm-hmm. this time in music where like we had like a lot of middle-aged pop stars, which I think was interesting, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is great because if music's good, then music's good. Um, but I was kind of bummed out for him because he was talking about, there's this, there's this quote that he said where he's like, you know, when you reach your mid-30s, there's a freedom if you can learn to relax into it Sure. And like be okay with where you are. You can have such freedom and joy and stuff if you because of your experience that you can't have when you're younger because you just you aren't there yet. And he begins talking about this really interesting perspective on life and being optimistic and having to look at everything in life in an optimistic way and like a as a, a chance for joy and excitement and like actively choosing it Mm -hmm. and he goes on to talk about how like he wants that to come across in his music Mm -hmm. and then he makes this record that he even says he says it's the simplest music that i've ever done and perhaps the point is 
that I'm just a good entertainer. And he says, like, maybe the, the point I'm trying to say is being said better by somebody else already. Maybe the point is that that isn't the point, and he just wants to make this music that's 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 optimistic and energetic. And it becomes this massive success, right? And mm-hmm. he's, like, going on this crazy tour. Um, him and Tina Turner are doing the song, you know, like, all this crazy stuff. Uh, and then the guy, like somebody asks him, how about the people who have been there since day one? He said, oh, he's, he's sold out. Mm-hmm. And he's, he even says, he's, he said, I would never fault an artist for, for seeking an audience. Sure. Um, which I think has merit for sure. And then like a few minutes later, his tone changes and he's like, I all of a sudden realized I was doing what I thought people wanted me to do. I was making stuff that I thought they would like when what I wanted to do was make them like the stuff that I like. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And so I thought it was interesting how that he got, I mean, which this is not a new story. This happens to people all the time. It's kind of a, a, almost like a trope now where like people get to the stratosphere and then they're like, "Eh." you know, that makes sense. That does make sense. But I think because earlier in, in the film when he's in Berlin and stuff, he's mm-hmm. talking about the new music that, that they're making. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody asks him, you're like, you're like, well, is, isn't that like risky? You know, you have this, this great life. Aren't you risking that by kind of going against the mainstream and being more experimental? And he says like, well, yeah, but that's such a relief. So it's interesting how he, he like was so free to get away from that thought. And then he still found himself there later. That makes sense. I mean, we go through cycles in life. Time yeah, so is time is circular. Is that him going through a cycle, or here's a I'm, I'm being serious. Like mm-hmm. think about this, or did he create that for himself by becoming the the giant success? What do you mean? Like he made, I don't know what what album it was. Right, I don't know. Um, Let's dance was a highly successful album. Okay, so that's... I mean, there, he had a bunch of that them. That was but. 83. Yeah, I mean, he did Ashes to Ashes. That's the thing. He did Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. Um, Under Pressure was 81. Uh, Let's Dance. It was Les Dance. Um, so, he's making this stuff that's more energetic, it's more optimistic, and... When he sets out to do this, it's 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 pure. the The intention is to 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 create whatever he feels right now. He wants to be more optimistic, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. And then he becomes this like massive star. He already was a star, but he becomes like a superstar. Like this, his music becomes the mainstream. Yeah. So is that what made him then feel like he was catering to people? You see what I'm saying? Like, is it like some self-fulfilling prophecy? Like, well, he made this and became so big that then it became, like, maybe he felt pressure, as some people do, to continue to do this version of it, or this already been done, mm-hmm. you know? I'm tired. I know. I mean, yeah, he he definitely went through a period. I mean, he called these, so Let's Dance and the two follow-up albums to that, uh, Tonight and Never Let Me Down. Uh, he called those his Phil Collins years and said that it was like a, a period of like him pandering to uh, the crowd, right? Yeah. But as, as someone who is always, you know, trying something new and, and making putting himself in uncomfortable situations, maybe that's what he needed. Maybe that was the uncomfortable situation. Like he talks about how much he dislikes n- normalcy. Yeah. And so maybe he put himself in that for a couple of years just to see. And that how was something that pushed he would him do, out. He, I mean, he went to L.A. and I quote to see he hated it. He detested yeah. that city. Uh, quote to see how it affected my writing. Yeah. So like, who's to say he didn't do this to? And I, well, I'm not going to quote because we're speculating. Yeah. See how it would affect his. What's funny? His writing. Let me ask you, ask you this because as he gets older, you know, he's going through this and. In his in his thirties, so this was what Les Dance was eighty three. Mm-hmm. Um, he would have been um, thirty six. 
So at 36, he becomes this global phenomenon, which which he was already known very well, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and uh, meanwhile, he's going through so many changes in his in his mind and his life because because we're getting this kind of inside view to, to how he's thinking. And he said something that I thought was really fascinating. And he said, when you make peace with yourself, when you're at ease with yourself, Mm -hmm. you can't write anymore. And he was saying that in the sense of like, you know, when you basically make friends with who you are and like um, no longer have that search, if that makes sense, where you're like, you are always figuring out who you are, but like Mm -hmm. you, you're at peace with that. He said, it's not so much that I can't, but it's, do I even need to anymore? Yeah. It's the question from the beginning. Why bother? Yeah. But I feel like that's a different question. It's not so much why bother writing, but it's in the sense of like, oh, well now I'm almost equipped to do things more. I'm not sure how to say it. It's like, it's like happiness is the enemy of like poetry or writing, but it's not, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's like a funny, like a, like a running joke where it's like, I, I saw a thing when I was in school at UGA and this guy was like, what, what, what makes a good song? And it said, um, uh, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a bad boyfriend, a girlfriend, mm-hmm. or a really bad boyfriend, a girlfriend. Or is that like LSD? But uh, but it's funny because it's it's like when you get to that place where you're no longer like needing to get things out and you're comfortable with them, it's like, do mm-hmm. I need to? I just I thought that was really interesting. Well, that's why he like throughout his life continued to make himself uncomfortable to yeah. like continue to feed that creativity. And he talks about like or there's um, other art forms engaging with the audience and seeing how that affected him in order to like further. Yeah, his creativity and you know. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. Um, because but that's think such about a, he, he went yeah. through a phase. Uh, he he stayed at like a Buddhist monastery and was meditating and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That would kill that drive, right? Because part of the the whole idea of the it's it's like be in the moment and like, do I need to do that? Yeah, you know. And the answer for him was yes. <laughs> yes, I do. It's need to so do fascinating that. because, like, he also says where he's like, "I, I hate to waste a day. Like, never waste a day." Mm-hmm. Um, because that goes back to there's this book that I that I've been reading and I've I've fallen off the wagon on it, but one of the most profound chapters that I read um, was this idea of the present, and it was like the most important thing you can do in your life is pay attention, mm-hmm. um, because yesterday, you know, you could have gotten dumped. And tomorrow you could lose everything. But right now, in this very moment, like in front of you, everything's okay. Because this is all you have. What if you were reading that book and your legs were being cut off? I probably wouldn't be reading the book if my legs were being cut off. It's fair. What I'm saying, though, is tomorrow my legs might get cut off. But right now, I'm okay. What's So it's hard to... to actively choose to only be right now Mm -hmm. it's hard i mean it's hard uh early in the film uh david talks about one day we can walk outside and see this tree and it just fills us with like that was joy brilliant that was fascinating right and it just makes us so like elated to see this this beautiful tree and the very next day it can fill us with dread Mm -hmm. and just like sorrow and all that kind of stuff, and he he wanted to explore why that why that is the case, or like yeah. I don't know. It's, he's a he's a cool dude. <laughs> it's just funny because um, my my brain's like barely working right now. Same. Um, oh, I had I had a good I had a good good thing going. I lost it. I just think it's like the way that his mind is shown to work is so incredibly fascinating to me. Um, and, and I like how towards the end, cause, cause we can, we can go as long as we want or we can wrap it up. But I like how towards the end, like as he gets older, you begin to see him and I'm not saying he didn't already, but like 
he gets to be very vocal about how he's just like being alive is an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. And like, you need to love that. Um, there's one line where I was like, it's so really, it's sad to hear that, but also I hope I get to feel the same thing where he was like, I've had an incredible life. And he's like, I'd love to do it again if I could. You know, like I, I, I would do it all again. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd love to do um, Amor Fati. What? Amor Fati. What is that? It's a, a principle that, it's a philosophical principle that was, intru- I don't know if it's introduced by Friedrich Nietzsche, but he, he works with it a lot. It's, uh, I think it's Latin for a love of fate. And it's essentially the idea of, um, imagine that time is literally a flat circle and we are destined to live this life again for eternity and everything will be the same. Every like embarrassing thing that happens to you, every good thing that happens to you, everything that you do or you choose or that happens to you is going to happen again. So this is and like the antithesis of the multiverse. Are you okay with that? Can we stop talking about Marvel? No, this is, this is not Marvel. I'm, I'm talking about like the actual multiverse theory. Of like every choice that I make somewhere I made I made the opposite one. Okay. It's the but, opposite of that. But this is saying like this is this is your lot in life. Mm-hmm. Make friends with it. Right. That's fascinating. Can you wow. be okay with that? Everything. You know what's funny? So I I've been that person who's been like, oh, I want to be the starving artist, the tortured artist, you know, the like crazy, you know, method, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm going to be this, you know, I don't, I, I'll, I'll be the one who's in pain because it makes me interesting, right? Yeah. It doesn't. It makes you a dick sometimes. And mm-hmm. it's also like the older that I've gotten and I, and I love this and I, I, I attribute a, a, a lot of this to, to having Hollis now is where it's like, Damn, this is a fascinating tri- like journey. Mm-hmm. Like being alive is an incredible thing. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the sentence. Not being alive and being David Bowie or being a, a, like a rock star. Mm-hmm. Being alive right here with you, talking about a movie is an amazing thing. Having brunch with our friends and family this morning was an amazing like those little things mm-hmm. seeing the light hit a tree a certain way mm-hmm. is stunning and it's like can you make friends with those things because then I don't know then there's not as much of a need to be like oh well I have to be something now mm-hmm. I can just in just see what's already beautiful in front of me but that makes sense but isn't that moving towards what uh, David Bowie was saying would, would kill creativity. Because if you see that and you think, oh, I have everything that I need, then where's the need to create? Well, then how do you put that into your art then? I Make yourself like, uncomfortable. <clears throat> I feel like, yeah, but that is uncomfortable, isn't it? No, what you were describing sounds very comforting. Yes. Like finding beauty in all the details around you. But do you know how hard times? that is? It's hard, sure, but but if you cultivate that, then so I think it's a it's a balancing act between Hunter drops his chocolate on the ground, he's <laughs> blowing on it, and he's about to put it in his mouth like some sort of heathen. <laughs> I saw on. Amos looking at his butthole right there. I believe that. You're eating butthole chocolate. <laughs> um, what are you saying? I think it's a balancing act between seeing the beauty in the world but still being called to create something. And so that's like, you can't go all the way down that path because if you do, then like what's, you know, you're content, you're happy, right? Well, the thing is though, we can become that. We can be make friends with our place in this world and our relationship with the world around us. But I think we then owe it to other people who don't have what we have or, like, have that uh, privilege. This, this is not what David's saying. He doesn't talk about, like... No, I'm saying this. Okay, okay. And saying, like, 
that can help you stay uncomfortable is okay. to go to those places. Like LA? <clears throat> like LA. No, I'm just saying, like, you are right. When you see the beauty in everything, it can be easy just to be like, oh, well, I can just rest now mm-hmm. and be content. And that isn't what the point is. And that, I, don't think, I don't think that's that's what David's saying either. Right. Um, but I think it's a good reminder, like you said, towards the end, just to be like, of course it matters. Of course we should bother because mm-hmm. it's beautiful. And being alive in itself is a, is, is a reason to create. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I was reading something and it was like, call it whatever you want, call it God, the universe, or like David says, like it's a force that, that he knows is bigger than us. Mm-hmm. It's like our responsibility to try and create and give back to that because it's what's in us. That makes sense at all? It does. Or am I just like tripping out? No, you're not tripping out. Um, but I think to do that, you have to search for it. Yeah. And I think that we live in a world where that's that's getting harder and harder to do because we're so inundated by right. technology or whatever, division, whatever, anything, quick mm-hmm. fixes. Anyway, we can go on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we shan't. <laughs> Can't and should not. Take out the N. <laughs> we we, we shat. So let me pose you this question because you know it. it, it, it so I'm going to call William, William Shatner from <laughs> now on. Shat. We shat. We shat. Um. Anyway, Zach. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you ta- care to take a gander at the question of? But is Moon Age Day great Anyway, but is Moon Age Daydream good? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I think I it's think it's, it's awesome. a wonderful film. I didn't talk about like the, the technical aspect of it, but no. yes. Anyway. We did not. But um I mean it's extremely thought provoking. We just talked for an hour just yeah. on the like the first dialogue, first monologue. <laughs> right. Basically. Um yeah, it's a great film. Yeah. I enjoyed it rather I'm much. Gonna, I'd have to agree with you. But um, let's go through the segments real quick before we fall asleep. So, every movie sucks, every movie sucks. Movie. Every movie sucks. Movie. Somebody hates the movie you love. Um, what, did you find one? No. Oh. I had a tequila burp. Here we go. This says this is from P Lover sixty <laughs> nine. Half star, awful movie. Uh, walked out of the cinema and went back to college. Barely a documentary. What? I don't know. Um. Here's one from Zoe. Incredible feat to be narcissistic on behalf of someone else. It gave me the ick for one of my favorite songwriters. Congrats to all involved. I didn't feel like it was narcissistic. I didn't think it was narcissistic either. Uh, this is from MD Preziado 91. Two plus hours of a fucking laser show with some concert videos and contextless interviews. When the doc ends, you know mo- no more about Bowie than when you started. There's no narrative, just expensive visual effects and garbage. I wish I would have known it was going to be this bad. I would have stayed home and listened to my Bowie records. You, sir, are dead wrong. I didn't know anything about David Bowie, but I learned a lot more about him as a person mm-hmm. than I ever would have known just knowing about his life. Mm-hmm. So I disagree completely with you, sir. Leo Paradiso says, if you like unnecessary... Hold on. That's the wrong... I didn't want to read that one. Connor says... At the end of da- at the end, David Bowie reminds us to value every minute and make the most of our lives. After two hours of nonsense, was nice when it was actually about David Bowie rather than completely random bullshit footage. All that footage was David Bowie, like he was involved in all of that. Yeah, like that in was some way his creations, or like, okay, well, you just didn't get it. Um, one more. Oh no, this is way too long. Never mind. Here's one more. Okay, here's one from Zahir. It says, "I disliked it." 
I very much like Bowie's music and art, but this film I couldn't stand. I walked out about an hour and 15 in. Mm. Mid. Uh, Gabby reviews, my friend made me watch this. We're not friends anymore. Okay. Any ones or are, are you good? I'm good. Last one. As a David Bowie stand, this fucking sucked. LOL. Felt like watching a two hour long YouTube fan edit. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Okay. Shindigs. Shindigs. Movies. It's news. 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 Okay. Here we go. Got a decent little bit. I'm going to speed through it. Ready? Speed round. Uh, Man of Steel 2 apparently is going to be a, re- a reboot instead of a sequel. Uh, still going to have Henry Cavill, but apparently is like erasing the Snyderverse, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, RRR is getting a sequel. That's tight. Cool. Excited about that. Uh, Avengers Secret War apparently is going to be bigger than Endgame. Kevin Feige apparently wants everyone who's ever played a Marvel character or something <sighs> along those lines. Or like someone from every movie. So like John Krasinski will be back in it? I guess. Good luck. Um, National Treasure Edge of History day has uh, will debut on December 14th at Disney+. Plus. It's a TV show that doesn't have Nicolas Cage in it, so... Why bother? Why bother? Uh, the Princess Diaries is getting a reboot. Okay. Or a sequel. Maybe maybe sequel. I'm not sure, but as of right now, it's a reboot. A trailer for the uh, <laughs> for Magic Mike's Last Dance dropped. Okay. Uh, you know, Magic Mike had really good choreography. I actually heard that the first one is actually very good. Uh, it's not a good plot, but it has great choreography. Oh. Plot's kind of trash. Okay. Uh, Sony is going to develop multiple Marvel slash Spider-Man based series for Amazon. The first one is being called Silk Spider Society. Silk Spider Society. That's happening. Uh, Stranger Things star Joseph Quinn is in talks to star in a Quiet Place Day One spinoff. And John Wick spinoff Ballerina starring Ana de Armas and Keanu Reeves is currently filming. Hmm. I missed one. Let's see. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's next next project will be an eight episode TV series. Okay. Interesting. And then I just saw this one before we started. Bradley Cooper is in talks to star in Steven Spielberg's Bullet remake slash sequel. That is B U L L I T T, the old Steve McQueen uh, movie. Apparently, there's uh, like a books about this character, and mm-hmm. it's not like a remake of the movie. They're doing another story. Of this character making the movie, so okay, that's all I've got. Cool, cool. How about them hawks? It's very brave of you. Brave Sam done all week. Cool. The hawks, the hawks are doing good. They um, it was a good sports week for Atlanta. It was, was a good it? sports for week Georgia. for Atlanta. What happened this week? Uh, Georgia won. Okay. Georgia Tech had their biggest road comeback in history. Okay. Uh, beating a ranked team. Uh, the Falcons won today. They did. And the Hawks had a totally badass overtime win. Mm-hmm. Did, did you they see did. that 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 last play? Yeah, it was sick. It was sick. That was the hockeyest thing you've done all week, Hunter. Kaka. Ah. 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 Whiskey shots. Water shots. Whiskey. Whiskey We're shots. Drinking whiskey. We're doing. You ready? Gonna do it. Two whiskey. Two whiskey. Ugh. <sighs> we didn't actually drink any whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Got y'all bitches. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. We're hungover and uh, yeah. we don't I want to. I couldn't do it. Um, okay, cool. So um, next week we're doing the uh, the Banshees of Inishirin. Mm-hmm. I've got to go find a theater that the, the, the theater that's playing that movie. Did you ever see it yet? No, it's gonna be really difficult to this week. It might be on streaming by now. I don't. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll figure it out. Um, you guys know that this happens sometimes, but we're hopefully doing the Banshees of Inisherin. Um, cool. I don't really have anything else. I'm really tired. Where can they find us? Oh, they can find us. Um, you can email B-I-I-G podcast at gmail.com. That is B-I-I-G podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Twitter, at B-I-I-G podcast. 
That is at B-I-I-G podcast. Mm-hmm. You can say hello on Instagram at but is a good podcast. You can say hello to me on Instagram at Hunter Callahan Music. You can say hello to Zach at Zach to the number the THA feature dot 31. Um, yeah. What should we do in December? I know uh, Knives Out 2 is coming out. Whatever. What do you want to be nominated for a Golden Good? What the would most, you like us to nominate? The most coveted, the most coveted award in all of movies. Um, yeah, I'm running on fumes. So, um, you good? You got anything else? I'm good. All right, we'll see you guys next Never week. Never better. Bye. Bye. But is it good podcast? Yeah, 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 yeah. In January of 1947, a young boy named David was born. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to try again? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) You say, but Zach. (laughs) But Zach is married to All right, here we go, here we go, here we go. I'm so fucking brain dead, dude. I know, me too. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. I am exhausted. You're giving me a lot to edit already, okay? I don't want to edit a lot tonight. Let's go. Hi, my name is Exhaust Ted. <laughs> exhaust? Exhaust Ted? Exhaust Ted. <laughs> I am uh, Exhaust Ted. Is that a threat or a promise? It's, it's out of my control. Okay. In January of 1947, a young boy named David was born. That young boy would go on to become one of the most influential rock and roll stars, pop stars, figures, mythical figures of all time. His last name was Bowie. That was great. Reel it in. <laughs> Let's give it one more shot. Okay. <laughs> this is this is gonna be it. This is the only no matter what. Okay. In January of nineteen forty seven, a young boy with the middle name of Robert. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just was unexpected. Continue. I picked up right. <laughs> no.